Hello, and welcome to Movies Last Night. Doing good, Eric. Uh, how are you doing today? Doing good, doing good. Just finished watching a, uh, one of my favorite movies of the year that it came out, I think 2018. Yeah, 2018. Um, and the movie in question is Burning, um, which is a Korean movie uh, directed by Chang Dong Lee, or it could be Lee Chang Dong. I've seen it written like back to front, so I, I can't. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, so um, do you want to just kind of like lead this off, Eric? And then like uh, this is, I guess, another one that was we played this one off the cuff uh, again this week because circumstances arose where we couldn't actually make it to the movie theater together. The original plan is that we were going to go and see the night house, um, which fell yeah. through. So we did another another pick week. Uh, Eric picked again this week. Um but uh, I'm going to let you lead it off and, and just intro the movie for me, and then you can ask me questions. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, like Scott said, uh, initially, I, I we were yeah going to go do Nighthouse, um, or Reminiscence was kind of in the uh, in the playlist, too. I mean, there was, a, there was like two or three movies that had uh, come out this week that we had talked about that were interesting. Uh, uh, reminiscence the night house uh naked singularity oh yeah and demonic too so we had four to pick from um that were new releases and uh for for whatever reason we just we settled on this one because i thought kind of uh coming off the the last pick that that i did um and I know I know we kind of really enjoyed that that super kind of a cerebral kind of big thinker movie, uh, and this one just popped in my head, and I I was I was pretty sure that you hadn't seen it because I hadn't heard you talk about it before, um, and I know you really enjoyed Parasite a lot, and it really reminded me of that kind of um, that that movie that had so many layers and complexities and, and uh, subtext and everything that was going on in, in parasite. And it, and it, it just, my mind just automatically uh, shot to um, burning. Um, and that's, that's not to say we're not going to get to any of those other movies that I talked about earlier. It's just, uh, it just kind of naturally fell into this movie i think um uh i I had discussed a few other ones and um you were just like 
right on board with it. Like, yeah, okay, I'm going to watch it right now. Uh, it is streaming on uh, Amazon. If anybody who's listening wants to uh, watch it before they listen to this, obviously, spoilers. We're, we always say that every time, but just in case, before we get into it. Um, so if you do have Amazon, it is streaming on there. It looks amazing. Um, I do actually uh, own this uh, on Blu-ray, um, but I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to see the quality that uh, of the streaming service, and uh, it stands up. I mean, it, it, it's 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 beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. Um, so you said, okay, yeah, let, let's do this. Um, I think originally we were we were gonna do yeah uh, demonic and um and or nighthouse and stuff just didn't work out but uh, you seem pretty stoked to sit down and watch this one so uh with that being said uh what were your impressions of of burning how 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 did you feel about it yeah um well yeah when you suggested it to me um it it is a movie that i, I have heard of before um, I do remember mm-hmm. a, a lot of the coverage um, from the movie when it was released. I, I know that it, it rated very, very highly when it was released. And, uh, and I, I could see that like a lot of critics are put in the, the best of the year. Um, so yeah. it, it was always on my radar slightly. Um, and, and I am also a fan of like Korean movie uh, cinemas too. Cinema, mm-hmm. uh, so like it, it was definitely when you suggested it to me, I was like, okay, what's burning again? Like I was like, okay, that's burning, and I was like, yeah, for sure, I'm totally gonna watch it. Um, I, I just didn't think about it. I didn't watch a trailer. I didn't. I didn't read a synopsis. I was just like, okay, let's just do it. Uh, I trust. Obviously, I trusted you. I was like, it's gonna be good, and I'm really pleased I didn't do any like, or read any kind of synopsis or watch a trailer because like I feel like it allowed the movie just to hit me like in in a way that I wasn't prepared for. Um, and I, defi- sure. I definitely wasn't prepared for the movie at all. I actually watched it in two sittings, which is really rare for me. I started it on Saturday evening. Uh, and I watched, uh, it's a long movie too. The movie probably runs about like two hours and 30, 240. Uh, it, it, yeah. It's definitely a, a very slowly paced long movie. Uh, so I watched the first half on the evening. And then um, I got to a point where I was like, I was like, I felt like it was digestible to do it in two halves. I, I was like, I don't have to sit and do all of this right now. Um, so I picked it up again the morning after. Normally I never do that uh, because I feel like sometimes I, like, if I take myself out of it, I can't get back into it like the same way that I was. Mm-hmm. N- not the case with this movie. The movie is like, it's like, it's like the opposite of quicksand. It's fast sand. So <laughs> yeah, you, you, uh, sl- no, slow sound would be the opposite of quicksand. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. So basically, yeah. it just sucks you in like immediately. I mean, it did for me anyway. So my initial, my initial reactions to the movie were based on like a the the movie is like staggeringly beautifully shot. It is so wonderfully shot in in not in a showy way, not in a like um not in a like this is a really edgy cool camera angle way or this is a cool camera trick. Like obviously there's this this there's uh directors of photography who do like wonderful work but it's like it's very showy at the same time like i think deacons can be like that a lot of the times where he's like it's amazing mm. but it's like it it's the main show you know what i mean it's like it's oh it's overwhelming how how well shot some of those movies are this is shot in a way that yeah. it's just like it's just beautifully shot 
And there's so much like visual information in each frame. And I think part of that is to do with like, like, I, I guess I've never been to Korea, but I have been to Japan and I, I, I guess a lot of like, it might be similar in this, in terms of like the space and the sizes of where people live. There's yeah. like, there's like a, a density to, to these spaces. And like when people have like, um, the, the homes are like, and I'm not saying this to everybody, but like, there's so much visual information going on. Like it, it, it in the frame, you can, there's just like this, like so much stuff, like background image details that like the movie is just like, it's unreal. It's unreal. Like, I think it's probably the prettiest movie. It's one of the prettiest movies I've ever seen. Like ever. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a, a standout sequence, which we'll get to later on, um, where a character, um, is like, um, dancing in front of a sunset. Um, oh yeah. Which is just out of control. It's, it's so fabulous. Um, so it, it ranges, you know, from like beautiful open outside vistas, um, and like beautiful scenery. And then like, uh, like, uh, complex uh dense environments and yeah the whole thing so i'm a huge fan of that kind of thing and it's so obviously that that drew me in um uh, like almost immediately you, the uh you get a nice kind of uh juxtaposition of city life and country life oh yeah you uh, do yeah th- throughout throughout i mean and there's there's a whole subtext to that whole thing but uh go on go on i just i just no no you're right yeah in there and like I think the subtext to like almost everything in this movie. Um, oh man! So the the story started to play out as as, as like the, as like a uh, the the two two young characters. Um, it's almost like what you would you could class it as like a meet a meet cute if it was like a traditional romantic drama or romantic comedy. Um, childhood friends reconnect. Um, so um, immediately I was drawn to the to the actors who were playing these these characters. Um, I, I think they're both very interesting in like the very different style of acting. Each each actor, there's three main characters and they all kind of like have like a different ap- approach to how they act um, mm-hmm. in very different like mannerisms. So, so like they're all very interesting to watch and they all play off, play off against each other. Um, Tonally, I found the movie was very, very interesting too. Um, in all of this, I'm gonna I'm gonna extrapolate on all of this as we get into like the plot yeah. and, and spoilers. But just in terms of like what was initially grabbing me, um, another thing that really grabbed me too was the the soundtrack or the lack of soundtrack. And what I mean by that is the 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 instrumental music that was recorded for this movie is wonderful. It's like super awesome, um, but it only comes in in very clutch points of the movie so when it comes in it's like it's has such an impact um because there's like yeah. incidental music or background music background noise but there's there's in this one use of an actual record i actually looked this up there's one use of a recorded like original music with there's a miles davis song that plays in the movie which is over okay. the the dance sequence that i mentioned against the the skyline Mm-hmm, but the mm-hmm. the instrumental music, I, I, from what I gather, I, I I do regret not looking this up further. But I feel like part of it was recorded on like traditional instruments. Um, I'm guessing like traditional Korean instruments. It also, I'd have to find out what instruments they're playing. It's stringed instruments, but it's very minimal. 
but it, it also kind of reminded me, this might sound weird, it kind of reminded me of like Crocodile Dundee because th- there must be like an, <laughs> in, there must be like an instrument crossover, like, um, like a, um, I'm trying to think of those, like a didgeridoo type, like a, a wind sound instrument that must be used yeah, in both yeah. of these because it vibed like that a little bit. And then, which I know it sounds really weird thing to say, but it, it, it made me think of Crocodile Dundee when I was watching it, which is really weird. <laughs> um, so yeah, so like visuals, A plus for me, um, soundtrack was is just stellar. Um, and then, like I said, the the acting by the three main characters is really good. And and and, and like I think probably to round it off from my initial impressions, um, the pace of the movie is glacial. Like. Yeah, I've, yeah, I think I have seen slower movies, but this movie is so slowly drawn out. But when I say that, I don't mean that in a negative way or in a way that like it's slow, but like at no point are you not like in provided you click with the movie. I can imagine some people might watch this movie and be like, oh, this is just torturous. But um, if you click with the movie like I did instantly, like this because of the pace of the movie it allows you to just soak everything in like everything, which is like, it's, yeah. it's a real trip. Um, so like, there's a, there's yeah. a definite tension uh, when you're, when you're saying slow, I'm just thinking it to myself as I'm watching it. It's, it's just tension. It's just the tension that yeah. builds uh, throughout the whole thing. And that can appear slow. I think to some people, like there's not a lot going on, but it's just it's a real tension that comes off the screen mixed with the acting it's like superb acting and then that real minimalistic uh soundtrack that just hits you in the right points but the, the there's a tension that builds throughout the entire thing yeah do you think that the because of the way the tension's building yeah it's like uh, you can imagine like a vice being slowly turned so like the yeah. pre- the pressure's yeah. like gradually rising like, do you think that the movie would have hit as hard at the end without that? I don't think it would. I, I think, like, part of the reason why the movie ends and climaxes in the way it does is because, yeah, yeah, this because of that creeping, like, there's almost an, an unease to it. Like, immediately you're like, mm-hmm. something's wrong. Something's not right with what's going on. And that tension yeah. and the unease, and the, it's like a sense of dread almost. But you don't know what you're dreading because you you don't know what's going to happen. So it's like, yeah, it, yeah. Well, yeah. I think I think you're you're questioning what's what's going to happen as well because you're not you're not 100 percent sure of what what you're maybe not necessarily what you're experiencing, but what what kind of uh, answers you're trying to uh, answer for yourself about the movie about what's real and what's not real and and what may or may not have happened. So you, the, the tension is within yourself trying to interpret what the, all the information that they're giving you. And is it real or is it, or is it just kind of a, a figment of a very imaginative person or because you're introducing both of them are artists. Uh, one's a writer, one's a actor dancer and so you you already have that kind of idea of them being very creative creatively minded and and trying to find their kind of place in this world uh where 
everything is very kind of strict and formulated. Um, and then you throw in that, that kind of, uh, you know, that outside outsider in, in quotes of uh, Ben's character, who's played by uh, Stephen Yoon, who doesn't come off as the character that he is. He, he almost, he almost comes off as a foreigner in, in his own home, you know, in his own land. There's something alien about him in a way because of the way that he played it. Um, and also because of possibly what he is, you know? Um, so there's all these things, all this, all this kind of, uh, things that are vying for your attention the entire time. So it's, it's creating that, that, that push and pull of, of like tension as you're watching it and you're wanting something to kind of resolve itself and you don't get that resolution until I think the very end. And then I also don't know that if that is the resolution that some people will want, um, because it, it might not have happened, you know, not, not necessarily the end, but, everything that's leading up to it, you know, um, possibly, possibly. I mean, I, I think I, I kind of, I think I side with the more kind of conventional viewing of it. I bought into, uh, all the clues that were given and all the information that was given. And I didn't kind of stray too far away from it. I definitely, I, I did think about a few things, but, uh, I think I just kind of fell into the whole conventional traditional idea of, of what they were given to me. And I was perfectly fine with the resolution. I think it fit. Yeah, no. Well, let, I mean, let's just get into it, I guess. So um, this is the point where there's going to be spoilers. So this is huge spoiler. Um, so yeah. stop listening now. If, if, if what we, we haven't even really talked about the plot yet. So um, if anything we've said at this point is, is got you interested, please stop and please go and watch the movie. Um, and they come back to this. Um, but like, yeah. like, let's go for it. So essentially the movie can be the plot of the movie is actually, if you condense it, it it's, it's very, it, it's quite brief. So basically um, two childhood uh, friends reconnect uh, a guy and a girl. One's an aspiring writer. One is an aspiring actress slash uh, performance artist, I guess you would say. Yeah. Um, but they basically, um, start to de develop a relationship, uh, a sexual relationship at that. Um, and then uh, the the girl, hey, me, uh, she's she's like, hey, I'm, I'm doing this once in a lifetime trip. I've been saving up. I'm going to go to Africa. Uh, I'm going to head off to Africa for a while. And, and she's obviously on like this journey of self-discovery. So she heads off to Africa. Um, and she's like, hey, can you look after my cat while I'm gone? Um, so Jung Su, the, uh, the, young, the young gentleman who's an aspiring writer, he's like, yeah, no worries. Um, he's anxiously awaiting her return when she returns from the trip. She's not alone. She's in tow with, uh, Ben who, um, you said it's, it's Steven Yuen, Steven Yun, uh, is the actor. Yeah. Um, what a great actor that guy is too. Holy moly. Yeah. And I've seen him yeah. in other things too. And now, and now I'm like, wow, like killer actor. Um, so he returns and then Ben basically on the surface appears to be everything that Jun Su is not. He's wealthy, fabulously wealthy uh he's very put together he's very smart he's very adult he has a very nice apartment um he's sophisticated and self-assured in a way that um jung su is not um and it's obvious he that he also 
yeah, he also kind of runs in the same, uh, in a more kind of upper tier circle. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, he, he definitely operates like on, on a different level almost. Um, it, and obviously, uh, it becomes obvious that Hemi is kind of crushing on him. Um, then I guess those two start to have a relationship, which kind of forces, uh, um, I'm going to murder the names and I do apologize if anybody Korean is listening or like, um, <laughs> obviously uh, I'm, I'm going to try my best. Uh, so, uh, Jung Soo, um, kind of gets forced out on the sidelines. So he's kind of like, um, he becomes like a third wheel almost, you know what I mean? And it's kind of painful mm-hmm. and it's uncomfortable yeah. to watch. And, um. Uh, he's basically watching the girl that he that he is in. I guess he's falling for. He's in love with. Um, be swept off her feet by um somebody who is the total opposite of him. Um, uh, and then basically, as, as things progress, the the relationship um uh, becomes more more tense. Um, some some weird. There's we'll we'll get into this, but just to avoid like the subplot, the main plot is that uh Hemi eventually goes missing. Uh, Jung Su uh, is desperately trying to find it and he can't find it. Uh, so he begins to suspect there's some foul play and that somehow Ben is involved in Hemi's disappearance, um, which ultimately leads to uh, escalates to the to this boiling point where there's a, a violent confrontation between Jung Su and Ben, resulting in Ben getting murdered by Jung Su. Um, in which case the mo- and, and then the movie abruptly ends. So that's pretty much the plot points of the movie. Like that's from A to B what happens. Yeah. Now, with that being said, there is so there much is that so happens. so much more. <laughs> Good Lord. There is so much that goes on and, and so much that is insinuated throughout. And obviously the big insinuation that it, it, it appeared to me that the movie was giving off is that somehow Ben is um, like a potentially a serial killer um yeah. in that ben is not who he seems but also exactly who he seems but um the, yeah. the, the movie definitely insinuates that hey th- this guy could be a serial killer and then jung su picks up on the clues at the same time we do so we're discovering these clues it, it so the movie's kind of like it, the, the movie's kind of going along the, in the way of like do you believe like, how are you interpreting what you're seeing? Because there's one way to interpret these clues and interpret them as that this Ben guy's crazy. And then there's another way to interpret the clues in that he's actually not. And then, yeah. so ultimately when Jung Su ends up killing Ben, it doesn't resolve the fact um, that it doesn't solve the crime because we still don't know whether Ben did anything at all. We don't know that he did. And and honestly, I don't think Jung Su actually knows. He's just, he's going off what what he feels is what happens. Um, yeah. So the, when you were talking about the, the, the movie not having the conclusion that people wanted, I I totally agree with that. I, the movie had the exact conclusion that I wanted in that it didn't, okay. it didn't conclude the movie. So I didn't want yeah. it to answer it and it didn't answer it. And I thought that was, for me, the best way to end the movie. Um, mm-hmm. With that being said, so how, what, what do you take? What did you take from? I mean, this is obviously your second time seeing the movie. I've only seen it once. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm interested to see how the movie plays on the second viewing and for you. And like on your first viewing and your second viewing, what were the kind of like what were the um, the things you were picking up on 
in in regards to this relationship between I think the most important relationship is Jung Su and Ben and not actually Jaime or Jaime's relationship at all. I think she's kind of like a catalyst um, or or like a chaos element that has brought these two people together who probably wouldn't have crossed paths. Um, So yeah, I was just wondering what, like when you were watching, was the things that popped out, you were like, oh, that's suspicious or the, you know? Um. I, w- I, I remember seeing it the first time and uh, probably similar to you, I, I was just like, oh, the- is this happening? Is this not happening? Um, and, and on the second viewing, I'm really kind of picking up on who who um, Ben is and who uh, Jun- Jun So, is that right? Jun So? Jung Su? <laughs> we're, we're 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 doing our best. We're yeah, junk too. We're we're doing our best. Um, where where one is that that artist who is just trying to find his way in life, and then this other person is has so much its affluence and um and stature in a in a world that he was probably born into and doesn't understand kind of the struggle of this other character. So uh, it's almost as if they're playing off each other um, as, as I'm watching it through, through that second uh, watch through. But it, that only takes place in like, um, cause, cause we're with the two main characters, Hame uh, and Juso. Um, for about the first third of the movie and it, and it, it does play like a very uh, uh, boy meets girl boys trying to figure out his kind of his way in life. And then he kind of falls in love or starts to kind of obsess with, with this girl. And then you throw in this other element and it's something else that he has to deal with now that he probably hadn't before. Um, so, I love I love the the how they kind of play off each other in, in a way that in a way that like Ben is saying stuff that only he that only uh Jun So would uh would understand or kind of conceptualize like when they're in his apartment and um Ben is talking about metaphors to a to a writer basically and uh and the girl is like, well, what's a metaphor? I don't understand it. The whole the whole thing is like Ben isn't talking to her; he's talking to June. So he he was, and that's when he's like, you tell her what a metaphor is. And so w- when you get into the whole, uh, I I go around every couple of months and I burn greenhouses. He's talking to him in metaphors the whole time. You know, and if you pick up on that, you're like, well, what does he mean? What what is the metaphor for greenhouses? Is he is he literally doing that, or is or is it uh, some sort of metaphorical um, device he's using to kind of communicate what he's really doing? Because at, in that moment when he admits that um, or that that crime, uh, that's when Jun So admitted that he you know, hated his, um, hated his father, you know, and, and he had this real kind of 
very kind of human moment with a complete stranger and really opened up to him. And uh, in the same way, Ben opened up to, to uh, Jun So, uh, probably ne- had, had never told anybody else his little kind of uh, secret. And, and it's like, and it wasn't even that he told him in a, in a human sense. It was just like almost off the cuff sort of thing. He's like, this is what I do to kind of find my way in life or how, how, how I experience joy and happiness and, and fun in, in this, in this life. Um, and he was, and basically like, you need to find this type of joy for yourself. So I, I just love that. I love that little interaction that they have back and forth. Um, and to me on the, to me on the first viewing, it's very, it's very, I'm trying to put those puzzle pieces together on the second viewing. I'm, I'm looking at it more as a cat and mouse game. Like, uh, one, uh, Junso is following him to kind of get the answers he needs to get to and tracking him. And then Ben is averting, uh, like subdiffuse, subdiffusing and, uh, escaping and getting away from him and just trying to one up him the the entire time, but also play that super subtle role of everything's fine. uh, Nothing, nothing's out of the ordinary. Um, that you're, you're just kind of, you're overthinking this whole thing. Uh, Hame just that that's the type of person she was. She's just, she wanted to disappear from this world. She just wanted to go away. Like she never existed. And that's probably just what she did. Um, that's his explanation towards it. But in reality, quote unquote, it's reality. Um, you don't really know that because of the whole um, greenhouse burning thing. And if you really kind of tap into that metaphor, um, plus all the kind of clues that are that you're uh given uh throughout the movie with the bracelets or the basically the treasures or the trinkets that he keeps the cat comes up (laughs) out of nowhere and uh and uh if you watch it you'll understand what that means because when she initially uh left for to to go to africa she asked she asked uh june so to um watch her cat at her apartment and which he does, but he never sees the cat at all. He just fills up the the food and water dish, cleans out the the litter box, and just goes about his business, never seeing the cat. And then comes back every every day for a couple weeks, and then it is just doing that same thing, but has never seen the cat whatsoever. So you're thinking, oh, it's just it's just a a figment of her imagination. It's it's something that she's kind of created as kind of a comfort for herself. And, but then you're thinking, well, who's, who's eating the cat food and the, and the water and, and the, uh, the litter box, how is that all happening? And, and it just really kind of plays with the whole, uh, what's real, what's not real, what's imagined and what's, what's, what's reality. So, uh, I, I, I'm on the second view and I'm just so, so just kind of blown away by, by the, the kind of trip that you take with this movie and, and all the kind of uh, deeper things that you can get out of it. 
just by kind of paying attention to a few little things. Yeah, and I think that's that's true because in a way the movie already starts I mean the movie kind of like is it you're right, is broaching the subject of um uh, illusion or like perceived reality um even when she's uh you know she she's explaining to him that she's doing a course on mime like pantomime yeah or miming pantomime, and uh yeah. she um i think she says she's eating like a tangerine or something and so yeah. you, she's yeah. she's doing going through, and she actually does it there's they're on a date they're in a bar this is early on when they've just kind of reconnected and then um so and she's like you, the, the trick to imagine is to I think she says something along this line, along the lines of the tr- the trick to uh to perfecting it is to, um, not to to imagine that it's there, but it, to forget that it's not there. So like you can taste yeah. the tangerine when you eat it, and then there's so there's that oh, so already it's like it's playing with that theme of like, you know, like things that are and are there and are there and like things that you can be you could be misread or things that you can like uh, make another person believe. So like yeah, with the, with the cat when he's going to feed the cat and that you never see the cat, at least not well. Do we ever really see the cat? Because, yeah, well, we'll go into that later on. But um, <laughs> there's yeah the the there's clues that the cat's there because there's a litter box, there's cat yeah. food, the cat. So, but then again, like you like, I was even starting to question whether she actually was in Africa. Like I was like, did she actually go to Africa? Or was she just saying that she was going to Africa? Like, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, because like, there's, there's a lot of stuff where you, she's, she's so like, she's so like almost elemental in a sense that she's like, she's so like, she almost unreal as a person that it's like, um, mm-hmm. she doesn't feel grounded or like, at least to me now, I guess there's obviously a whole subtext of this movie that we, we don't probably don't get as like Westerners or like, you know, I, I, I sure upon further further reading on the movie i guess this this movie directly plays into like young people's lives in in south korea which i guess like obviously i'm never going to understand that so there's a whole section of this movie that was lost on me in that respect um but like yeah there's there's something very ethereal to her she has this she has this um she she mentions this thing uh that in africa like tribesmen um have this this theory of little hunger and great hunger and that little hunger mm-hmm. is um, when something that you can fulfill with small things. So, like when you're, um, I don't know, like um, I imagined it when she described it as she was talking about like little hunger is just your day to day needs. Like I need to eat, I need to sleep, I need to have sex, yeah. I need to, you know what I mean, entertain myself. So that would yeah. be a uh, little hunger, and then great hunger. Um, would be the yearning or the desire to for the unknown why are we here like the the the, the grand picture so this this people who have become obsessed with the big picture and obsessed with like who they are and what their place on earth is and then there's other people who take solace in just the small things you know like the, you know average everyday things um which i think is a, is such a fascinating um concept and I haven't even checked if that's real. It, it probably is. I'm guessing that is like a real saying that they have. Um, but like that transfers down into the characters and into the movie on such a crazy level where like you mm-hmm. can you could start looking at like who has a little hunger and who has a great hunger um, and what would their little hunger be and what would their great hunger be. 
And it's just, you can apply it on so many ways. Like, and I think what I'm trying to say is basically the movie can almost play in any possible direction you want to take it. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And the character's motives can be almost anything because it's so open uh, to interpretation and this is funny I was going to tell you this like when I'm first watching the movie and I'm just like trying to piece it together in my head and trying to piece together what's happening and what what characters are doing this is crazy but I I honestly I thought there's a scene earlier on where uh, the, the, uh, Jung Ho and um, Jung Soo and uh, Hemi go on their date and they go to like the bar and they're having drinks and she's getting it in and they're getting it in yeah there's she says to him, remember when we were children, you told me um, that you came up to me and you said I was the ugliest girl you'd ever seen, like the ugliest person yeah. you'd ever seen. And then for some reason, I fa- I fixated on that line. And it wasn't until almost at the end of the movie where I actually let go of that. And part of me had this alternative narrative that like she was just fucking with him. Like she's obviously mm. very beautiful now in like part of me was like, is she just, is this like, is she just reclaiming dominance or like for herself or like getting revenge for herself by like manipulating him? Cause he seems very gullible and he seems very, he comes across as like, he's, he's very intelligent, but he's not like, he doesn't seem worldly. He doesn't seem like, like educated, like in, 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 in terms of like socially. Uh, so part of me was like, I was obsessed with that line so when she went to Africa, I was like, maybe she just didn't go to Africa and she's just kind of like seeing what she can get away Hanging with. Out. Them. Yeah. And then when she returns with Ben, I was like, okay, so she did go to Africa, but like, maybe she's just doing this whole thing with Ben to get to him. Like to be like, mm. oh, like I, I, I got you to sleep with me. I got you to fall in love with me and now I'm going to fucking destroy you. And like, part of me was yeah. like, now what that says about me, I don't know. Like, <laughs> me read it into that is me putting i guess like i must be bringing something of my own my own interpretation mm. into this like which is 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 fascinating because i i up until the very end like i i, I obviously left the, i in my ultimate opinion is that i don't think she's dead okay i don't think she's dead and i don't think that he killed her um I don't think that he did. Um, that's the, the the interpretation I choose to have from the movie. Um, so, which also would tie into my theory that, like, I don't think Ben was involved in in. This is again my first my first reading of the movie. I didn't think Ben was involved of it as in so much as she was using Ben as a as a weapon against Jung Soo. Um, now, mm. I think my interpretation is obviously bullshit. It's not that that's not what the story is <laughs> even hinting at. But I just couldn't get over the fact that he said that to her. Like, it was such a specific thing for her to say that it was like, it really like, it, and it's, I guess, a throwaway line because I haven't seen anybody else talking about that line in any kind of like commentary on the movie. Um, so, yeah, I just thought that was funny. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, he also kind of, he plays it in uh, almost like a boy-like, fashion uh june so where where he's he's almost still kind of a boy almost in like an arrested development sort of thing where he's not completely grown up and he's still trying to open his eyes to the world 
that he's in. Um, and she is a very kind of dreamy figure that exists in his world and in Ben's world, you know, very kind of, uh, aloof in a way doesn't, doesn't seem to need either one. She just needs a, a kind of bigger purpose or a bigger meaning for her life, you know, you know, because of where she, where she came from. Yeah, go ahead. I think uh, I think Ben has uh, her figured out perfectly. I think everything that Ben does, he does with uh, precision in mind. He has everything planned out uh, in every aspect of his life. You could see the way that that uh, he's kind of portrayed or put together at, at how his how his living space is, how his um, how his kind of day-to-day routine is, how he puts himself together, the the kind of uh, women that he picks up on. Because after Hame uh, disappears, and she did, and and it's not like she's gone for a few days. In the movie, it says she's been gone for months. You know, with no communication from to her family, to Ben, to uh, June, to, to anybody, just gone completely. And, um, and the next girl that, uh, Ben picks up is kind of a similar type girl. She's just like a, a retail shop girl, but he, it seems he never, at least from what we're shown, he never kind of, uh, goes for his, anyone in his group of, of, of friends or his kind of social group. He always brings someone from the outside or maybe kind of a lower class uh, or considered like maybe a lower class person into his select group of people. And they always kind of amuse on on that that person like uh, like it's like it's almost like uh, if someone was to bring a pet and everybody just kind of marvels over that pet and and every everybody is treated in a different way, depending on what that kind of that that pet does like a, um, a dinner for schmucks like that that or you know like um i don't yeah. know if you've ever seen that movie but yeah it's like like yeah 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 so do you think that when when he's introducing uh these women to his friends like that's the point of the evening that like he it's like they come over to be entertained by whatever crazy girl ben's hooking up with like i, I don't know if it's yeah. that sinister but like it did kind of read that way that like like whoever Ben had over is the entertainment for the evening. Um, yeah. And, and it's like the, the first time that, uh, Hame is introduced to him. She's her, she is her very much herself, you know, talking about kind of the, these bigger ideas and these bigger conceptual ideas of, of the world and the meaning in life. And then her trip and how everything kind of went about. And the, the, the group of friends, the circle of friends is, is not very attuned to what she's, she's trying to, um, uh, give them, you know, or, or, or how, how they're, uh, should react to it. But when he brings the next girl around that she's talking about commerce, you know, she's talking about money and, and, and customers and that kind of, 
that interaction between uh, people with and people without. So, and, and they're a little bit more in tune with what she's talking about because that's stuff that they experience on a day to on a day to day level, a very kind of uh, uh, visceral and a real feeling to, to maybe how their lives work. Uh, where Hame is a very like big idea and they don't have big ideas. It's all about um, what, how they're living in the moment. And I think there's a really kind of interesting uh, a juxtaposition that happens with in a scene where she's telling them about the dance and there, there's a dance scene and she's like, here, clap along, clap this beat and I'll show you how to do it. And, and she goes about her kind of very tribal dance and, and showing them, this is this is how the these African uh, dancers uh, portrayed this this kind of idea of little hunger, uh, great hunger, and this is what it means. And they're they're all just kind of like squinting or just like barely clapping along. And then and then the sweet the scene switches to them at a uh, kind of a techno dance party, and it's like it's the complete opposite of kind of a, a tribal. Uh, uh, natural music setting where you kind of have feeling in, in what you're supposed to be doing to a, a completely artificial um, a synthetic dance beat and, and lighting situation. And they're all completely immersed in it and, do, and just like living it up. And it, it, it's such a kind of interesting juxtaposition of, of kind of one character and a group of characters Um that's a and good how point. that whole thing kind of plays out. Yeah, I never really thought much about that until you just brought that up. But that, yeah, and that's in an, one of the only other uses of music in the movie is in that dance, is mm-hmm. in that nightclub. Yeah, you're right. That is quite, that is, because it, it does jump cut to that, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. From from the dinner party in, in the restaurant. Yeah, I never thought about that. That's a good point. That's a really good point. So, like, I, I kind of want to talk about um, the, the metaphors that Ben uses and also the clues that the, the, the movie kind of like kind of just places out there to see if you'll pick up on them. So the clues being that like, um, there's a scene when, um, Himi, uh, asks Jung Su to come over and meet Ben at the restaurant. And then they, they, uh, or it's a coffee shop, I believe. And then they, they go back to yeah. Ben's place and Ben's, I'm going to cook you pasta or whatever. And then, um, yeah, Jung Su goes to use the restroom when he goes in the restroom um, he's looking through the. He's being a bit nosy, which I would do, which most people would do, as I look through the cabinets. <laughs> and then, um, he, when he's going through the cabinets, he finds like a makeup box. Um, so yeah. in my head, I'm like, okay, well, whose makeup box is this? This could be somebody else who's living with Ben, and Ben's not being all the way straight up with him, me, and being like, hey, like he's, he could be playing it, right? Or mm-hmm. Hamey has moved in with Ben, which is kind of the natural. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, but it. Uh, as it turns out, it's neither of those things. Um, at least, yeah, I, I don't think it is. But then also, he goes through one of the drawers, and in one of the drawers, there's like a bunch of like women's like bracelets and like little trinkets. Um, yeah, which I was I assumed immediately that they were, those were Hamis, and that Hamie has moved in with them. But upon oh really, yeah, I, that's what I thought it was. But then obviously later on, you start to you start to think, well, they they are like tokens, like keepsakes that he's kept from women yeah. that he's potentially been sleeping with in women that he's collected or women that he's collected and murdered so 
you, you don't know on what scale it is. And but you think about it on that scale, like how many people keep keepsakes and mementos from past relationships? A lot of people do. A lot of people will hold on to something that has some kind of uh, value, like a gift they've been given or like, you know what I mean? So like they could also I, read it yeah, I, that way. Yeah, I, t- I totally do. The only thing that's kind of different uh, in my perspective is um, I understand what you're saying there, but I think in those instances, it would be different things like you would keep. And maybe it just has to do with the space that they're working with, but you would keep different things like a, a picture or a painting or, you know, like 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 a like a piece of jewelry or or like, you know, a candle or something like that. But in this instance, it's all the same thing. It's all the same type of thing. It's all a, a tr- like a bracelet trinket um, or something that they wear around them, around their hands, around their wrists or, or, or a small piece of jewelry or something like that. So it's it's a pattern, you know, it's this it's this pattern that he he kind of puts together and that whole the whole makeup box thing. It's just all part of his ritual as he's kind of going through it. Yeah, so like the ritual being that like the makeup box comes back into play later on where um, after him, he's disappearance, when he starts dating this other new girl who's, you said, the retail worker, there's a scene in where he's like applying makeup to her. And then it, so mm-hmm. like it, it, that's very ritualistic too, in a sense where you're like, is, is this before he's going to kill this girl? Like, is he making her up? And then like, or is this like, is kink? Um, so like the, the, so the movie is definitely painting him in this in this like almost Patrick Bateman esque rich, um, yeah, sociopathic yeah. Uh, person who's bored in 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 can exert control over other people who he deems lesser than himself. Um, at mm-hmm. least that's the, the one interpretation that he's doing this. He's like he's collecting these women as toys, like is just like it's because he's bored. It's like every two months. So the metaphor, which ties it in the metaphor, and the metaphor that he, he brings up to Jung Su, um, is that every two months he feels the need uh, to go and burn down a greenhouse because apparently there's a ton of greenhouses in South Korea, um, and they because mm-hmm. because they require very little effort to burn, and he thinks of it more of the fact that they're just sitting there wanting the, him to burn them, um, and he's basically. Yeah. It, in a very very good speech it's so, he, he's so good he's such a good actor but he delivers really perfectly yeah. and it's written beautifully in the sense that it's like um like i it's not through judgment i'm just like the rain when the rain comes down and it washes debris away it's not it's not doing it but it's nature nature's not doing it it's like its own system it's not a it's so you you think that the metaphor what he's talking about is that when he's talking about or one interpretation that i think the movie is kind of feeding to people is that he's not actually burning down? Yeah, you're right. He's not actually burning down greenhouses. The the burning down greenhouses is a metaphor for him him killing one of these women every two months. In that, like yeah. these are like tragic, easily disposable, easily ignited um, people. So people who are broken, people who are fragile, poor poor women who um, he can easily manipulate in his position and easily destroy. Um, and that's yeah. what he does and every it, two months. It, it's also people who won't be missed. Exactly. You know, with him, it was like, 
she didn't communicate with anybody, you know, like she doesn't have any family really. Yep. She doesn't communicate with the family that she does have. She's kind of on the outs with them. Um, and there, he also says something super interesting about burning down the greenhouses where it's like the police won't investigate it because it's, it's almost like it's a non crime, you know, which could it's just be like a- these, th- yeah, which is just a, a commentary on class right there. Well, you yeah, know, these, I was gonna, these... I was gonna ask you that. So you think that's a, like, yeah, in terms of like, the the police have got there's so much shit going on that they that they don't care about like, um, like poor poor women going missing, which I guess is a problem everywhere. Oh, yeah, I mean, I guess yeah. that's a huge problem in, yeah. in America. Like young women go missing constantly in America. Um, yeah. So maybe that's the yeah. So so if that that if the metaphor for the burning of the greenhouses. If, if that's a metaphor for what he's doing with these women, there's also another interpretation that, um, w- which I, I, I heard somebody else say it was in that essay that I sent you a link to on the movie and yeah. I'll link, I'll link the essay with the podcast. So if anybody's interesting, interested, I'm going to murder the guy's name. So I'm not going to say it right now, but there's a guy who writes video essays on YouTube and he did a really good one on the burning. And I believe the guy's Korean of, or of Korean descent because he explains a lot to do with like the pronunciation of words and like how sometimes yeah some of the characters use the same words to describe three different things and it's fascinating and it's I would say it's a must if you've watched this movie to to get like a better perspective on the movie as a non-western perspective but he yeah. he broaches no the... absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. I, I watched I watched it uh right after I finished watching this just to kind of get a uh uh, a deeper kind of uh meaning and it's it's a great supplemental to watch and it's like it's about 30 minutes long yeah yeah so if if you don't want to sit through it after after about a two hour and 20 minute uh heavy movie um but definitely try do your best to try and try and check it out it'll really kind of open your eyes to different things that's that that are going on yeah. especially with the steven young character and oh, how for sure he, for sure how his how his his um his accent or his Korean isn't like almost correct Korean, mm-hmm. which I would it, I wouldn't have known it, that. I have no way of yeah. knowing that, you know. And 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 to just quickly go back to a, to to my train of thought, in 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 the in the essay, he mentions the fact that there is another alternative. Um, reading of the burning metaphor in that he's not actually killing these women he's destroying these women so like which ultimately could lead them to kill themselves or to just run away or like so like it's not necessary he might necessarily be actually like killing them he might just be like breaking them completely you know which Mm -hmm. is yeah feels even more sinister if i have to be honest (laughs) um (laughs) than killing them i would yeah, I would say this. I would say that Ben's character might be the most amazing, underrated, and unknown uh, malicious serial killer, possibly, in cinema history. I agree. <laughs> because because the way that he plays it is so subtle and so evil that... Uh, even if he's not, even if he's not killing them, he, like you said, he is decimating who these people are to to the point to where they no longer exist. Yeah, no, totally. 
So if we would have if we were to play the movie the opposite way, then like in in a sense that like when Jung Su ultimately he convinces himself that Ben is a serial killer, he's 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 found the, the keepsakes, the trinkets. Um, him he's gone missing. Um, he he's kind of stalking Ben at the end of the movie, and he becomes obsessed with him, mm-hmm. and he's following him, which ultimately leads him to going back to his apartment when Ben invites him back up, only to find out that Ben now has a cat, and then he's like. We know that Hemi's disappeared and her cat has definitely disappeared because he's been back to her apartment and there's nothing there. So, yeah. All of a sudden now Ben has a cat. So in your mind you're putting two two, two and two together and you're like, oh well, he's just taken Hemi's cat after he's killed it. Um, and then yeah. ultimately the cat ends up going getting out of the house. So they all the characters go downstairs. Uh, ben Jung Soo and Ben's new girlfriend to find the cat. Um, Jung Soo finds the cat in the corner of the garage, the parking garage, and it, and he's like, hey. Come here, and he actually calls the cat by the name that um Hamey give the cat, which is a stupid name, but the name was Boyle, I, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. a, a silly because name she, because she found it in a boiler room. That's yeah. right, yeah. So, and then the cat comes to him, but as somebody who ha- who has cats, um, cats will come to you. They're not like dogs. Like cats, I do cats do recognize the name, but it, if you go up to a cat and a cat trusts you it doesn't necessarily mean it's responding to you saying its name when it runs up to you. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, mm-hmm, it, it, mm-hmm. there's not a direct correlation. It's not like when, you know what I mean? You call a dog its name and the dog's ears perk up immediately. Um, so yeah. they, they, there's every chance that Ben just got found a, a stray cat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For all we know, cause we never even saw Boyle. So we don't even know what he looks like. Um, yeah. So with that being said, then at the end of the movie, my interpretation of the movie is that like Himi, um, who was drowning in debt, um, who was toying with, I believe that she was um, initially interested in Jung Soo, but realized that Jung Soo wasn't uh, emotionally, he, was, he, he seemed too little hunger where she was too great hunger. So then she became interested in Ben. I think she got um, kind of sick of the Ben situation and I think she just disappeared. Whether whether or not it was provoked by Ben or not, I'm not sure. But I believe then, um, I believe that Jung Su's rage, which we know that he's probably inherited from his father in the upbringing that he had, and the fact that his father's very violent, um, which is another subplot mm-hmm. that plays out in the movie in terms of uh, Jung Su's father getting arrested for going crazy, uh, and and I I think he assaults another guy. Um, yeah. So we know that he's he's prone to rage i think that he's lovesick i think that he's shell-shocked by the relationship ending and i think that he's um become a he he became obsessed with ben being that he feels that ben represents everything that he doesn't have and that's everything that he couldn't give to him me um he starts to fantasize about the fact that he thinks that ben killed her and then um because he doesn't understand the metaphor potentially and then um I, I kind of read it as like he kills Ben and then in my head the movie plays out afterwards that like Kimmy's still alive. Mm. That's kind of how I, 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 I like to see the movie. That's how you interpret it? Yeah. yeah so what um, about you? I, I'm kind of the opposite. I think that um, Hamey falls in love with this or not not falls in love but reconnects with this kind of childhood friend that she that she uh had and june so 
has always kind of loved her or has been uh, infatuated with her in some way or other because like small boys uh, will go up to a girl and like pull their hair or say, oh, you're ugly or something like that. But in reality, they like them. You know, that's just that's how they kind of show affection towards someone. And then so they reconnect. And then for her, it's like uh, she would be taking a step back by going to by going uh, with the Junso um, and not kind of advancing how she wants to advance. And when, with Ben, it's too fast of a transition because he's so affluent. He's so like uh, upper level, you know, up, upper echelon of that society and she's just kind of wanting to have an experience that's just like right in the middle. But I, but in the end, I honestly think that Ben is killing these undesirable women or who, how he sees, how he pictures it as undesirable um, women to kind of satiate that, that hunger that is inside of him, that little hunger that is basically inside of him that he needs to feed in order to feel anything at all. Um, because he's, he's even alluded to that where it's like, I've never cried. I don't remember crying. I, you know, there's, there's, I, I can understand sadness. I can understand, which is basically saying I can understand empathy. I just don't understand why other people have empathy or why I should have empathy. So I don't really cry in these situations um, or, or where he's trying to understand June. So, so he starts reading authors that he, that, that he likes, you know, June. So said, Oh, I, I like William Faulkner. So then one of the next time that you see Ben, he's like, Oh, I decided to start reading Faulkner because you said you liked it. So he's trying to understand people. He's trying to understand why, uh, people are the way that they are. And I think ultimately, um, he ends up killing all these women um, just by the, 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 the fact that the clues that, that you are given the cat, obviously, but then like everything in his uh, apartment is meticulously set um, even in his bathroom, but you pull out that drawer and it's just like a total mess of all these different bracelets. And, and when you go to Hami's place, it's a complete mess of, of an apartment until after she disappears and then it is it's a immaculately tidy and there's nothing in a wrong place just like his apartment so it, it's just like all these clues are set into place to where um he is murdering these women and just completely getting away with it and and he knows that there's nothing that can stop him from doing it and i think june so kind of sees that as well that that he he will never be stopped you know or his hunger is such that he can't satiate it and then at that point he as he's obsessed with him he's like well i have to kind of destroy this person who destroyed kind of my a way for me to kind of express my my great hunger you know because uh, uh, June so only experienced the the kind of little hunger in his life just uh, surviving just to get by just doing what he could to get by and and Hami was his kind of great hunger 
his way to kind of express his ultimate uh, passion in life. And it was ultimately taken away from him. So I see it as, as Ben is killing these women and um, June. So is enacting revenge for, for that. That's fascinating. We could go all day on that. We could go, I could go <laughs> all day on that. Well, so do you not think that like um, with, with Ben that there's, and and like you know when he says I I I, I don't cry I, I I I don't know if I feel, I'm worried that I don't feel any emotion because I've never cried before but also isn't he speaking from a person of privilege in a sense that like he's probably been shielded from a lot of hardship or a, or, or a lot sure. of you know yeah. or a lot of consequences or a lot of like realities so like he, yeah. he could also be describing the fact that he's just never like he he feels like he's never had a chance to live. You know, in, in in which case, I don't know. You know, like if you if you if you're if you're incapable of seeing the value in things because nothing has any value because you can have everything, that like it's difficult to understand the concept of loss for somebody who puts great value in smaller things or like uh, yeah, like so like, but that's I mean, isn't that the beauty of this movie though, Eric? That we could go back and forth yeah. and back and forth and back and forth on and like. <laughs> did he do this? Did he not do this? And then, like, again, uh, the guy who wrote the essay brings up a, a fact that I think it was a Korean, um, very famous Korean film critic has another reading of the movie is that um, before Ben, uh, before Junsu uh, decides to kill Ben, or pretty much when he's decided that he's going to kill him, before he actually does kill him, he actually sits down and starts writing again. And he starts writing um, what we presume is, mm-hmm. you know, he's like one of these struggling artists. It's like, I'm a writer, but like, dude, what are you writing? So like you, you see him start to write and he's writing in Hemi's abandoned apartment um, and he starts to write. So there's a theory that, and that happens, I would say like 10 minutes before the end of the movie. So it's before he ultimately meets up with Ben and kills him. So he's writing. And then, so the critic uh, proposes that what's happening from when he starts to write is what he's writing. So the, the climax. Yeah. I mean, and when Ben kills, um, I saw Jung Soo kills Ben is we stop being present in the movie then. And we switch to being in Ben's novel. I'm uh, sorry. In Jung Soo's novel. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fascinating. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can interpret it. You can interpret this whole thing as, as, Oh, Jun Jung Soo's story. You know, um, or like, or like, Hemi or, never or, returned from Africa, or like, she just didn't yeah, go to Africa yeah. and she just left, and then everything that's happening afterwards is just. I mean, I hate doing that yeah, because, because you could do that with everything, but like, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah because know. he's a very kind of daydreamy type of type of uh, character, anyway. Oh yeah, um, for sure. so yeah, that is that is a possibility, but but I I tend to go the other way. No, I know. So if Hemi's Great hunger is self-discovery, uh, finding a place in the world, um, understanding the, the, the big picture. Um, Jung Su's great hunger is Hemi until Hemi's not there anymore. Then it becomes Ben, in a sense, or the destruction of Ben um, in order for him to, to, to keep growing. And, and then Ben is little hunger in the sense that Ben is just trying to satiate a base desire, which is his exactly. desire to kill. 
yeah. So, yeah, so we've got two great yeah. hungers in one little hunger. Um, in in theory, fascinating. In theory. I think, yeah, I think it'd be. I, I think it could be argued that like Jungsu is a mixture of great and little hunger, or there's the the lines are blurred between the two. Like, you know what I mean? Like his mm-hmm. obsession with him, me. Whilst it feels like a great hunger to him, technically I feel like it might be a little hunger because it's kind of, it's kind of like surface level and it's kind of like he's like um it it feels more like an infatuation than than like than like like he's like in a way he could be like um putting her on a pedestal or yeah you know like and maybe she could sense that from him too and that's why she was gravitating more towards ben because she was just like you know what i mean he he is like a, a little puppy dogish yeah, ultimately Ben doesn't need her as much as uh, Jung Su does. Yeah, and she can't, and she's obviously probably not in a position where she can. She can't be what she couldn't be what Jung Su wants. Like she's not Jung Su's savior. She's on her own. She's on her own journey. You know what I mean? She yeah, could probably see that. Yeah, and be like, absolutely. Yeah, I can't save this kid. Like I'm not going to be the answer to his problems. Um, yeah, man, what a fucking movie! Not swearing, <laughs> but this movie is absolutely incredible, incredible. Uh, I mean, to to Flawless. me, it's a, it's a it's a it's a masterpiece. To I'd me, agree. It's a masterpiece. I think it's I think it's like I think it's like a once in a decade type of a movie. I think it's a it's one of the few movies that I would easily give a ten out of ten across the board, like flat ten out of ten. Yeah. And I, and I'm I'm very I'm I'm not disappointed that more people haven't seen it. I'm not saying this. I not familiar. I've seen none of the director's previous works. None. I've seen a no, lot a lot of Korean cinema, but I've seen none of this director's work. Um, and for me, um, it doesn't have a lot of the trademarks of the other Korean movies that I've watched, which tend to be a little bit more salacious and violent. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't have nothing about this movie is. Um, like that at all it's not it's very I, I, it's hard to describe there's violence in the movie sure there's shocking violence at the end but it's it's not like it it's it's not like a um like the violence in like one of like uh sympathy for lady Ven. you know that kind of violence you know what i mean yeah, yeah like yeah. old boy yeah, where you. it's very like very graphic and like almost like comic booky it, it's not it's yeah. not, it's it's um yeah, I think the movie. Uh, I I cannot recommend this movie enough. Of all the movies we've covered on this podcast, this movie stands above all of them, head and shoulders. Is like a like a gargantuan piece of cinema that I think everybody should watch. And I think you should watch it, even if you do, even if say if you're a psychopath and you've listened to this whole episode and you've no intention of watching the movie <laughs> and you think we're crazy, and so I don't know why you listen. But if you did, just give it a shot. Like, please give it a yeah. go. And like, um, I guarantee you, there's so much to be taken from the movie. Like, I've got, I haven't seen Eric now in a few days. Um, we haven't seen each other for a little while, but I'm going to see Eric again next time we see each other's on uh, Wednesday. I'm yeah. still going to want to talk about this movie on Wednesday. Like, I'm not yeah. done talking. <laughs> I'm not done talking about this movie with you. Like, I could do like a six-hour podcast on this movie. So that I mean, yeah. that's yeah, my absolutely. that's my feelings. That's my feelings on it. Yeah, I I concur wholeheartedly with everything you just said. 
yeah and and it's a joy this is like this is the this this is the kind of thing i wanted this this is the kind of conversation and the kind of like movie i want to do on this podcast uh, and obviously we're not we're going to do other movies too we're going to do we're going to do the big box office releases too because we like all kinds of movies but like when a movie like this comes along and coherence to an to an element too but i feel this even more so than coherence like it just yeah. you just want to talk about it you want to like to to see what other people feel and like to just to share your experience with it you know yeah i mean uh it, it's always good when you can kind of tap into a movie like this um, because I, I, I do think they're few and far between. And, and if, and I know there's, there's more out there similar to this. So it's just, it's just going on the hunt and finding them, you know, and then once, once you do, you want everybody to kind of experience the same thing. It's a, it's such an amazing movie. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm worried that we might be running out of time um i'm not sure <laughs> it's getting close it's getting close okay so we'll go we'll wrap it up for today um i don't think eric and i have not discussed what we're going to do next um but uh as soon as we as soon as we figure out a movie um hopefully well it's just in, in the situation that we're living in right now i mean not only the situation yeah. like the current pandemic situation but also like eric and i have slightly opposing work schedules sometimes so like it's difficult for us to always and we've had it we've had a pretty rough few weeks at work so yeah. it's, it's been difficult yeah. for us to like to just close down on a time but like obviously end goal is that we still want to get back to the theater we want to see a movie and um we want to be able to say in advance hey this is definitively the movie that we're going to be doing so the hope that like yeah you, you guys at home listening can follow along or, like watch the same movie so we'll keep you posted thanks again everybody for listening hope you enjoyed it and uh i really hope you check out the movie burning i think you won't regret it <laughs>